Welcome back, listeners. My name is Jackson Vickery, and I am the host and producer of the JV Club podcast. On this episode, I spoke to production designer Francois Audouy, where we talk about his work on air. have to congratulate you on this this film what a feat I mean honestly um oh thank you so much I I just absolutely loved it and I think the the thing that just keeps sticking with me is sort of just the Nike mantra and just I mean keeping the or taking the ordinary ordinary making it extraordinary and I I think it's uh it's it was just such a feast for the eyes and just so wonderful to thank you very much that's very nice of you yeah. No, absolutely. And I mean, I was reading up as much as I could about you and I came upon the case study you did for air. And at the end of it, you have the quote from Phil Knight that said, you're remembered for the rules uh, you break. And mm-hmm. I'm curious what rule, I mean, after reading the case study, I get an idea of what you broke um, in terms of the rules, but I'm curious what, from your perspective, um, what rules did you break while working on this project? <laughs> um, that's a good, you know, I think it was more about I, the mentality of being a rule breaker and about being an individual. And, and I kept trying to think about the, 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 um, the, the themes in the movie, one of the main themes being the power of the individual to, um, to create change. And to make a difference, and I, um, so I, I was, the the biggest thing. I mean, the biggest rules that we broke is we made this movie in like a minute prep, like no time, and we threw everybody together. Ben did something different where he he hired the the very best people that were available, and then were and then told him to do it twenty percent faster than ever anything than it would normally ever be done. <laughs> <laughs> so um when we were we moved into this 22,000 square foot set in at the Santa Monica Business Park all together and it felt like we were sort of the same kind of underdogs as Nike in 1984 because literally I remember working off of the floor with a phone and my computer with no furniture and no desk and everybody was just sitting around and construction had moved in was, and they were starting to tear up carpet and everything. And I had not one drawing done. It was uh, like week two, but we had to work at this, this clip because, because we had a, a start date that was facing us. So normally on a movie, there is a lot more sort of rigidity and structure and phases in, pre, in pre-production. This was much more like let's get a whole bunch of people that we really trust. We're really good. And we're all going to be in it together over a summer and make something great, hopefully. So um, it's the the experience of making the movie was really, I think the most collaborative um, family affair <laughs> that I've ever had for the course of my career, because we were all, um, we were all, um, hold up in this building over the course of the summer 
working shoulder to shoulder. The, the building was the set, but it was also production and costumes and set deck and art department and props and everybody and editorial, like all together. So it felt, it felt like, um, like very, very, Ben created a very open environment where every, where everybody felt they could, uh, could chime in and make things better and add ideas and, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, um, and, and get to the finish line. I mean, we, we ended up in the art department, we, we had a big open room with set deck and costumes and we'd, you know, even, and everybody would be, you know, making their own projects and, and cutting things and whatever, gluing things, the PAs. I, I felt like everybody was critically important to, and involved hands-on in, in the, um, the actual like making of the movie. Hmm. And if. Yeah, no, it, it sounds like Ben Affleck's summer summer camp for filmmakers in a way. Yeah, one hundred percent. And multiple people have called it summer camp because it did feel like, you know, you get a call from Ben Affleck. And you're like, hey, what are you doing this summer? You want to come to Santa Monica and make a movie? Oh yeah, well, who's in it? Oh, you know, Viola Davis and Matt Damon and Jason Bateman and what? Well, yeah, yeah, I want to do that. That sounds great. You know, I love it and. Um, I was also reading in that, that same case study about how you first met Ben. And I'm just curious if you can just go into, into that experience and, and meeting him and what, what that was like, and just sort of laying that out. Well, uh, I was, to be honest, I was a little bit intimidated meeting Ben for the first time because, you know, he's so experienced and such a great filmmaker. And, uh, the first time I met him was on a location scout meeting Bob Richardson for the first time too, another great, great DP. And um, we met in a parking lot in Northridge and Ben had just gotten off of the plane, I think the night before from um, from uh, chatting with Michael Jordan for five hours at his golf course in Florida. And Ben's talked about this in the press before the story, but the, the, but it was this incredible meeting to uh, to just find out if he was, I guess spiritually kind of into the idea of, of, of Ben making this movie, um, which he was, but, you know, uh, Jordan had all of these, he had a lot of feedback and he had ideas and he had, and Ben's such a, what makes him a great director is he's a great raconteur. He's a fantastic storyteller. And he's give, telling us all the whole story about his meeting. And he's super, you know, super, all the details and all the, every little detail that, Michael Jordan was was uh, telling him about the story and about how Michael White um, White sorry trying a White's character uh, was an integral part of the story and how that needed to be really beefed up in the in the in the screenplay um, and uh, and then he also told Michael and by the way by the way Viola Davis is my mom and. Uh, and Ben was like, if I remember correctly, it was like, oh, yeah, we, we'll definitely put her on the list. He's like, no, no, no. Viola Davis is my mom. She's my mom. That is my mom. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the number one of the num the top actresses in the world, it was not a small note, but there was never anyone else considered in that role other than Viola Davis. And they um they beefed up the the role just for for her and and thank god she was she's in it because she's just incredible absolutely and so 
I mean, you're on this 28 day shoot. And I mean, what, what was integral in the research process that you just, I mean, obviously you have to get everything right, but it's like, what, what took the most time um, in terms of getting right? And I mean, making it, making it to the set essentially. Um, yeah, well, you know, the 19, 1980s is actually a really tough period to do right because you don't want it. It can be uh, kind of cliched and distracting. And um, I remember the 80s, so that was helpful. <laughs> but um, we, I, I really wanted to create a texture and a background and a setting that wasn't distracting, that felt completely authentic to the story that was going, that was happening. The challenge was is that when we started doing research with um, Ozzy and Guanzo, he was like, there isn't much, there's nothing out there. It's like the internet has been scrubbed of, of Nike in 1984. There's like nothing out there. And we're like, okay, what are we gonna do now? And um, research continued. We found it wasn't a time or a place that was very well documented even by Nike. They were kind of a boring company in Beaverton, Oregon, in a boring building with, you know, and, um, but we, every time that Ozzy found research, it was like, uh, it was like a cause for celebration. <laughs> we find another artifact. We found, he found this incredible interview um, at C, in the CBS News Archives for, with Phil Knight in his office and we had a video of the parking lot and his, and his grape colored Porsche. And then we, we found some other footage of like um, the Jordan family coming for their initial interview, which ended up being very, very helpful. A birthday party with um, the graphic designer who did the Nike swoosh, you know, where they, they surprised her with stock options because mm. she had been paid like $35 to design the swoosh. We <laughs> found that, that uh, we and then we found a couple of photos of Phil Knight in his office. But then it, th those um, Rosetta stones were enough to fill in the blanks, to fill in the mortar with historical reference of uh, corporate culture in the mid eighties, which we were heavily inspired by. Um, the architectural sort of language of, of what corporate America looked like and, um, and other photos from Oregon and things like that. And so it, it, it created, um, it created a foundation for us to to build our version of Nike onto. Mm. And something that struck me so much in this film is, I mean, just the sort of dance that you guys are having to play um, in terms of, I mean, just the amount of choreography, I guess you could say. Um, and I'm just curious, I mean, and a scene sort of like the, the Nike boardroom towards the end, how did you sort of, play with the amount of movement that's going around with the camera and um, just yeah. sort of building it in, in that sense. Well, that's all Ben, you know, he, um, he was very much inspired by the, by the location. And um, he walked through the space once and had kind of a vague idea of how he kind of saw it. And then, but the second time it kind of clicked in for him very specifically, there were some, you know, they're upstate. He really imagined a real full C-suite upstairs, up these bra brass and glass stairs to a more moneyed uh, executive area leading to a corner office for Phil Knight. And that that 
was very clear in his mind. There was another location that felt just perfect for the lab that that he gravitated to. But from from the very beginning, he always he always imagined more walk and talks to make the very talky movie more dynamic and um, and give it some movement. So um, we just you know he would just pace pace the set and be like you know this this will be the walk, the walk and talk coming from the tape room and then we can go through the lobby here and then the we will go walk right through the atrium over here and the da, 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 and end up in the bathroom over you know and then the, maybe there'd be a bathroom in here and he'd be, it's very like gut instinct um feeling uh, like an, a feeling an, an inspiration from feeling the space and uh, I would just try to keep up and take notes and I'll be like, you know, and occasionally they'd be like, I don't know, maybe where would the tape room be? And I'm like, well, you know, this would be, what about, we'd look at all the rooms and then we'd be like, oh, this room's really great because you could see through it into the atrium and you can see into the other office and maybe that, that's an opportunity. Yeah, 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 you know. So the, the, the gut instinct of wanting to add more walk and talks really helped uh, add logic to the, programming of the actual location and the fact that he envisioned it as a contiguous space that you could walk through created uh, a much more authentic and plausible um, set as a result instead of having just scenes in rooms with people talking behind desks the fact that it could all connect I think really helped create a real the feeling of being an actual, actual Nike in 1984. Mm. So in this particular instance, you would say that having a blank canvas is is better, correct? Yeah, I mean, it. we did have to, we couldn't, uh, you know, tear down the outside shell of the building. We had to work with, it wasn't like building a set from scratch on stage, but, um, but yes. I love that. And I mean, just in our final few minutes, I mean, what... What do you take away from this particular project and what do you hope that audiences ultimately take away? Well, I, th I just think that um, what I took away, I mean, the themes of, of the power of the individual uh, and what one person or a small group of people can do together uh, and change the world is really inspiring. And it's a really inspiring message in this time, um, you know, it makes you, it, it gives you a feeling of hope for, um, for a, as an individual. And so I was really, I was, I find the um, Sonny Vaccaro story very inspiring. And, um, and also um, uh, the Jordan family story very, very, I mean, it's one, it's the great American, uh story if michael jordan is our real life superhero <laughs> in america in american culture he's he's a modern day paul bunyan you know he's uh, he's mythological in scale and so though that whole story is is really um the american story and as an immigrant to this country i i i it, it re i really felt um connected to it and inspired by it um, probably more than any movie that I've ever done.
Thank you for tuning in to this episode. This podcast was hosted and produced by yours truly, Jackson Vickery. But a very special thank you to Sterling Gavinsky for the theme music and to Carly Haney for the artwork. We will see you next time.